With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. And hello, folks. Uh, this is Javier Hernandez, and this is Hobbyland Chatter. Uh, this is the second episode, and it's a little late coming up. Uh, I had a little problem last time, last week. I was trying to record a second episode. And I just had an internet issue. Actually, I had no internet. I had no home internet that day, so I thought it would be smart. And I go, well, I'll just use my uh, my cell phone as the hotspot, right? Because I have a separate account for that. And I guess trying to run the desktop computer, you know, the whole the talk shoe program and you know, as well as dialing in on the phone. It was just too much, so I was not able to get the show started. So my guest at the time um, sent him a huge apology letter after. He's okay with it. He totally understood, and we're going to reschedule. Um, so in the in the meantime, I thought I'd get another, bring in a second, um, you know, do a second episode, but I was going to pick a different uh, guest this time. Just on the off chance, I had some really bad luck, and the whole thing fell apart again. Um, this this guest is more understanding, so um, it's, so if this turns out okay and it gets uploaded and everything, we will have our uh, original second guest on here uh, on the third episode. So anyway, uh, thanks for sticking around. Um, if you listen to the first episode, Hobbyland Chatter Episode 1 with uh, cartoonist Brad Dwyer, uh, thanks for downloading that and listening to that. Um, I know people have been downloading it because I can check out my stats here. So, like I said in that first episode, it's been about six years since I hosted my own podcast. So it's going to be back, back on the airwaves or whatever we call these, the cyber waves. Um, I'm not going to repeat the intro, but uh, basically, yeah, back doing podcasting with a whole new crop of artists and other creators I've met over the last six years. Uh, there'll be some returning guests, like the one coming up. And uh, but a lot of new people that I've been wanting to talk to over the years, you know, through a podcast. Most of them I probably met, like I guess most of us meet people nowadays. It seems like uh, social networks, you know, artists all over the country. So it'll be great to bring them here and hear their stories because so they got you know they're all interesting people. Not just the work they do because anyone does a different type of work, you know, whatever the genre they're working in and the style they do it in, but also just their. Um, personal stories I find interesting, you know, why they got into art and cartooning and comics and how they go about, you know, navigating the field, the business and the art end and all that. So that's what Hollywood Chatter is going to be about, talking to all types of creative folks, not just not just comic artists, which is what I tended to do in the past, um, which I absolutely love. I mean, comics is my thing. That's what I'm, I'm a cartoonist. That's what I do. But, um, uh, a lot of other type of creators out there that we should be talking to. And then a lot of times it overlaps, um, not just the genre, but also maybe some of these people will end up doing the comic or they've done the comic or vice versa. So anyway, it's all about creativity from a comic book point of view, but it's not only comics. 
Uh, let's see what else should I update you on. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to do. So I listened to the first episode, and just just one thing I think I, I left out on my intro. For those of you who are new to, uh, you know, to I guess basically me, you don't know much about me. But yeah, I'm a cartoonist. My most well-known creation is El Muerto. Um, I'm the creator of the co-creator, co-founder with Ricardo Padilla of the Latino Comics Expo, the country's first uh, comic convention dedicated to spotlighting Latino creators and comics and related popular arts. We started that about, I think, six years ago. Yeah, six years ago. Um, yeah, six years is pretty good. Uh, it's not a long time, but it, it is a long time because a lot has happened, you know, in those five years, in those six years, all the shows we've done, all the people we've met and such. So, We'll be doing another one this year. Uh, I can't announce it right now. i got to wait. So uh, I think by the next podcast, for sure, should be able to uh, do the public announcement. So um, anyway, thanks for everybody who's supported us through the expo. Uh, and I also teach. I mentioned that last time. In fact, I just had a, like a second or maybe even third interview with a potential um, uh, new employer for me to be teaching there. So that'll be interesting. That'll be good. I had a meeting, one meeting with them initially, then I actually went back and taught a class. They paid me to teach uh, one of my one-hour workshops just to kind of, you know, see how I work with their students and such. And, um, yeah, I got really good uh, raves about that, rave reviews about that. So, and I had a good interview with them on uh, Friday. So, anyway, we'll see. It's all about scheduling and, you know, because it's a, it's tied in with the school program, so, you know, you just got to figure semester and, you know, we got summer classes coming up, the fall semester, so just uh, finding a spot, I guess, to fit me in. So, anyway, uh, but that's what I do, and I also teach uh, workshops at libraries. Um, I'm excited, too, because I'm going to be doing my first couple of uh, college uh, appearances. I'm doing a lecture at one college coming up, and then another college wants me to do a two-part thing the same day, like a master class in comics and a lecture afterwards for the, you know, the wider audience there, the general public. Um, the master class will be cool because they have a comic book club on the campus, I guess, and uh, so they reached out to me. So anyway, those are being finalized as I speak. So uh, like I said, maybe by the next podcast or if you follow me on social networks, uh, you'll be able to, you know, find out the locations and such. So those will be exciting. You know, I've taught grade school, middle school, high school kids, and they're all different uh, – not challenges, just different experiences. I don't, I don't have a preference for any of them because they're all different. Uh, so it's going to be neat uh, with college kids, you know, especially if they're working in comics and, you know, they're studying actual art and cartooning and illustration. So be able to just up my uh, my lesson plan as far as uh, the content. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Really looking forward to that. Um, the other thing, so the other last thing on my bio I didn't mention last time, ran out of time, um, I also had a movie based on my comic, El Muerto, if you didn't know. Um, but the comic debuted in 98, the first issue. And by 2000 and I think it was 2001. I don't remember now. 2000, I think it was 2001. I got contacted by a filmmaker. And then I'm not going to go over the whole thing now, but it's the whole story. But I signed a deal. And then eventually by 2005, we were filming I remember filming that first day of uh, of the shoot. So anyway, um, it came out on DVD. Actually, it came out on DVD in uh, 2007. So that takes us, wow, 
10th anniversary this year of the release of the film on DVD. Uh, before that, we had done the film festival circuit, which again, that's a whole nother, uh, boy, that, yeah, that film festival circuit was fantastic. Uh, again, that's a whole nother topic for maybe another show. I'll probably try to do a show for sure this year. Uh, I mean, just to mark the 10th anniversary of the release of the DVD. Uh, I'll try to figure out something for that show, do something, you know, well, every show should be special, but try to do something special for that podcast. Um, as far as sharing some, some of my fond memories of the filming of that and the release and all that. So other than that, right now I'm working on, actually I was just inking earlier today. And if you've been following me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you'll know what I'm working on. I'm working on an Alberto graphic novel. So, um, it's probably going to be about 120 pages from what I can tell as far as, you know, I laid out, I laid out the last page. I'm just going back and doing some, uh, working on some earlier pages, bouncing back and forth. But yeah, 120 pages at least, that's the story. And then, of course, whatever extra content I put in the book. So it'll be a nice, chunky, hefty book. Uh, graphic novel is a fancy term, I believe, uh, which is just, just means a big, fat comic book. So that'll be, uh, yeah, I've been working on that. That's been something I've been chewing on for a couple of years, actually. And again, that's a whole, well, that could be a podcast miniseries, man. There's so much backstory to that. It's convoluted. It's it's tragic. It's hilarious. It's uh, just comics, man. Just comics. So um, that'll be coming up. Uh, the Immortal Graphic Novel, um, Days of the Dead is what it's called. I'll be coming up this year. Uh, right now, it's what is it, March? When I'm recording this, and you'll be hearing this very shortly. So it's it's March 2017. Um, looking at looking at it in the next couple of months. Still a lot of work to get done on it, and of course a lot of work on the post production. Having to scan some uh, hundred and uh, pages or so. So anyway, it's going to be fun and interesting. And I think I just got a message here. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. There you go. You're not supposed to answer messages while you're doing a podcast. I want to make sure it wasn't the guest. Um, so I'm working on that, working on comics, and got some classes coming up, workshops, lectures. have some conventions coming up, but that's I think the, my first convention as far as I know, unless I did I can't think if I've done something in January or February, but I've done a lot of classes and such. So it all blends into me. Like, to me, it's just like, okay, I'm a cartoonist. I make comics. But then it's like, well, I also teach comic classes, you know, about how to make comics. And uh, I do a comic convention, right? So it's comics, comics, comics for me, storytelling. Storytelling is what it's really all about. But I love the comic book format. That's what I... Um, grew up on, you know, also cartoons and everything, but just something about those early comics. So I think throughout the life of this podcast, Hoggerland Chatter, you'll hear me and the guests talking about the old the old days, the old stuff we grew up on, and um, and the new stuff, a lot of new stuff out there too, and of course the stuff that we're working on. So I'm trying to think of anything out there I left out. Um, Really, like I said, a lot of my time is just being consumed by this new graphic novel. And, you know, um, I don't want to say try not new techniques, whatever, but, yeah, as I look at the pages, I'm definitely up in my game and just trying really hard to just tap into, like, you know, um, places I haven't 
gone to as an artist, I guess. I don't want to get the expectations too high out there and crazy. And like anything, right, anything you do, anything you do today is going to be, should be better than when you did it maybe a month ago, a year ago, five years ago. So, And it's definitely true with anything in arts and for sure in comics. I can look at, uh, look at the first issues of Superman, the first Superman comics that ever came out, and then look at the ones... Uh, was it Joe Schuster? Is he the artist? I don't want to get him mixed up. Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Yeah, I think Joe Schuster was the artist. And then you look at his work two years later, three years later, five years later, it just just got better and better. So, um, you know, like anything, it's about just practice and practice. But it's also, I would say, as an artist, looking at other art, looking at other artists, how they handle problems, um, Looking at old classic comics, you know, see how some of your favorite artists tackled stories. It's not about copying what they did or, you know, mimicking their techniques. But then at the same time, I do hear people say, well, you got to steal from the best. So ultimately, the work you put out, you know, that book you slap down on the table and tell people to look at, it's got to be your work. You know, it's got to be your voice. It's got to be your... uh it's got to have an authenticity to it. So it's going to have a lot of elements that you drew from, obviously. Um, drawing from your previous inexperience, building on that, and just the way you, you know, the way life, the way you see life, how life has started and gone on, you know, and how you react to what's going on in the world around you, personal life, your community, the world. So anyway, everything should affect the art you do and how you do it. Um, and it's not even the tools, you know, like, yeah, sometimes I get a different brush or a different type of ink, but, and, you know, there'll be some subtle changes, I guess, but really it's, I think it's really coming from the core person deep down inside. So anyway, like I said, um, I guess the proof will be in the pudding. Those of you who've been following my work for, was it 18 years or over the years at least? And it's been on that long, 18 years, but yeah, and you know, should be, should see some, uh, you should hopefully look at the bouquets doing some different things with this. So, anyway, um, all right, so I'm waiting for the, um, our guest to call in, and I guess we're all waiting for him. Um, yeah, this is where it gets all like, okay, you gotta call in now, it's five o'clock. So, meanwhile, there's a song and dance here, right? What else should I talk about? Um, I've been reading, talking, talking about growing as an artist and learning. I've been recently rereading some of my uh, Will Eisner, The Spirit comics. I actually bought another volume of this three-part volume that came out in the 80s. I had two of them. It was like this uh, The Spirit color album. They were colored versions of The Spirit. And um came out in 81, 82 from Kitchen Sink Press by Will Eisner. And yeah, those are some phenomenal books. Uh, very interesting, um, the setup on that. There's seven-page stories, each one. Is, I think it was a weekly comic. And so they're kind of quick, but they got a lot of stuff going on within, within each story. And, you know, the spirits, I guess you call them a superhero. He's got a little mask, and he's got a nice suit and tie and a cool little hat. But I guess it's the mask that makes him a superhero. Um, but the stories aren't always about fighting crime. A lot of times they are. A lot of times they're like these weird human interest stories, you know, 
this why I just read this lady. She, she guess she basically marries a guy and you know bu- pretty much bumps him off for his money and then moves on to the next guy. And I mean that's a crime, but it's also got human uh, human drama, melodrama in there. So anyway, they're neat stories. Some are some are more humorous than others. Some of them, the spirit may not even be a main character; just kind of shows up peripherally. So it was a great way for Eisner to just exercise his uh, storytelling, you know, in and out, all types of stories, and bring the spirit in when he wanted to or just base it around the spirit for an episode or three. So um, anyway, those have been great to reread and some new ones I I have not read before. And just marveling at his technique. I mean, Will Eisner would talk about looking at his comic page or the scenes as kind of like a stage. And the characters are actors, so they come into the scene, they do the thing, they go out of the scene. It's kind of interesting. So it's kind of a neat way to look at uh, characters that you're drawing and writing as actors uh, come to life. Anyway, I, I don't have to ramble anymore because we got uh, guest number two on uh, on call. So let me bring him on the show here. See if I remember this here, little control panel. And let's go. There we go. Hey, mystery guest, are you there? Hello. Hello. Oh, yes. Hey, folks, that sounds like Ted Seckle, if I recognize that. Hello. Hey, hey, how what's up? Welcome, Ted, to uh, the brand new, the paint's still wet, so watch the wall there. It's called Hobbyland Chatter. Oh, well, yeah, you know, it looks very similar. It just colors oh, yeah. are very similar, but it, it does have a really nice paint job, and I like the fixtures. You, I like what you did with the fixtures. Yes, yes, we got rid of those dead plants and put in some nice plastic ones, so I don't have to worry yeah. about watering them. Yeah, it looks great, man. Well, well, yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Thank you. I was taking a swig of water here because I was talking like 15 minutes straight, so <laughs> with no break. Oh, cool. Since you came on, so uh, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show, and. Um, okay. You know, just so people know, Ted Seco hosts his own podcast. I don't know if the word is hosted or host, but uh, the Idiot Engine. He's been hosting that for years. So I've been a guest on his show various times. And um, Ted used to be kind of playing the uh, color commentary role on my old Hobbyland podcast. Um, remember those days, Ted? Oh, yeah. It's just like it was yesterday. Yesterday, six years ago, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, yeah, same, you know. We all live in six a time years, warp. Six years ago to this very day, Ted, so. Is it? Was was it six years to this very day? Oh, no, no, I don't know. I just, I just oh. you know, that's just, that's just something you say, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, cool. So so what's going on? You got you to gotta, uh, bring me up to speed. I just I just got out of traffic and oh, wow. I pre- pressed the button. And uh, so hey, now you're on the podcast. Welcome to yeah. LA, people. You're stuck in traffic one minute. Next minute, you're on the podcast talking art and comics. It doesn't get better than that. No way. Hey, so, Ted, really quick, do you want to just tell people what you do as far as, uh, you know, what do you, what do you want to share about what you, who you are what oh, you do? Okay. Uh, well, i uh Ted Seco. I'm a self-publisher. Uh, I'm an artist, illustrator. I do work in animation. And um, I've been uh, making comics for, for many years. Uh, self-published, and uh, yeah, I uh, that's that's kind of it, you know. Um, you know, you can see my stuff. It's paperengine.blogspot.com, 
Uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Okay, hey, yeah, no, that's good. Hey, so I did the audience a favor. I checked out Amazon because I wanted to make sure before I tell people. So you, there's two books a year that you put up on Amazon that people mm-hmm. can order from there if they like, just so they know. It's, so if they just go to Amazon and look up uh, Ted Seco, T-E-D-S-E-K-O, you'll find it. you got two books up there. One's that coloring book. Yeah. That Super Monsters coloring book. Mm-hmm. And then the other one's your, um, was it Flesh on the Bone, I believe? The, yeah. Yeah, flesh, yeah, it's a zombie uh, love uh, sci-fi post-apocalyptic horror story. There we go. That, that, that's a nutshell for you. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Well, thanks, hey, really, Well, yeah, because people are going to say, hey, where can you get this guy's stuff? Um, yeah. Hey, really quick, that little detour you took with the coloring book, because, you know, you've done a lot of comics. You've yeah. been doing comics the whole time I've known you. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you did a coloring book, right? Just just talk about that real briefly. I think that kind of kind of stands okay. out from your whole uh, repertoire. Okay. Well, I uh, there's, a, there's a craft fair, a local craft fair in Gardena, California that I go to sometimes and you know it's not really a comic book show it's it's, it's crafts uh you know um like uh knickknack kind of things uh knitted stuff and greeting cards and uh i wanted to have some type of content for that so i thought well you know they don't that's not really the the audience for for um, post-apocalyptic horror sci-fi stories <laughs> so i yeah so but I thought, you know, I also love monsters. I love Godzilla movies and, you know, the classic stuff from the 60s and the 70s, King Kong. And so I decided to make a, a coloring book that would kind of give me a, like a way to express that, that, you know, love for that genre. And so it, but basically they're super monsters. They're monsters that I made up. And then I have little kind of bios on the other side of the one, – one page is the monster – and the other side is the bio. And I uh, just, you know, just let my imagination uh, have a field day. <laughs> you know, just make up crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, for you, it's still kind of storytelling because you've got an image. And like I said, mm-hmm. that little bio, even though it's a short bio, you know, it still allows you to get a couple of ideas about the character out there. Oh, exactly. Uh, people, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's a lot of fun. It makes you more, it's not just a coloring book with images. You know, when right. you when you read the bios of the stories, you have the, you get a little bit more invested in the character, and so you know, you, you could be a little kid or an adult, but when you're coloring it or drawing on it or whatever, you're thinking more about not just the lines on the page, but you're thinking of that image as something that that has like a backstory and history, it makes it more fun and more involved. And then the, uh, a kid or whoever can kind of springboard off some of the little ideas you put in, as he's coloring so that. Oh yeah, you know, no, that's, thinking, that's 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 very true, huh? That's very true. Man, you know, I'm thinking about back when I was a kid. Not even a coloring book, but just at the breakfast table. You know, you're yeah. eating a box, uh, you know, Captain Crunch or something, and just looking at the cool like artwork they'd have on the cover of the cereal. Yeah, and like you know, I kind of in my mind, I just kind of think of some like, yeah, okay, Pirate Adventures with Captain Crunch, or you know, whatever you know, name your cereal. So yeah, <laughs> and then anything that'll spring uh, some ideas, you know, from. Uh, from imagination. Yeah, I mean, but, that's uh, the other, that, I, I, I just wanted to really quickly say that's something that I noticed at the, this craft fair when I would go and little kids would come up. You know, they'd be interested in the coloring book and I'd be telling them about, oh, these are super monsters. And I would always have paper at my table. And so I encouraged the kids to draw too. You know, like, hey, you could make up your own super monster. 
you know, and then they'll start drawing. Yeah. And they love that. I think I think that's something that um, I think it's really good for your mind. It, it's really good, and it's really good for you as an artist to um, to just think about something that you're drawing. Not just draw something. Not just not necessarily just copy it. But you, the more you understand it, the the more involved you get in the process of drawing. And I think that makes it a better drawing, better art. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all part of the uh, it's all part of the journey. <laughs> Good segue. Yeah, I like that one, huh? I'd rather go all the way up to that. Yeah. Ooh. So um, I understand from the grapevine you wanted to talk about the hero's journey a little bit about how it applies to us artists and creators. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like we were talking about earlier, I went with my lady. We went over to uh, the old town music hall. It's in El Segundo. And it's a it's a landmark place. It's an old theater that was built in the twenties, nineteen twenties, and it's still standing. And basically, they show very old movies, like we saw a Buster Keaton movie called The Cameraman, and they had a Laurel and Hardy short before it, and then they had kind of a sing along. And the the sort of the big star attraction at that theater is a a, a Wurlitzer which is like an old-time, it's like a big musical instrument. It looks like an organ, but that's right. just, that, that controls this huge mechanism behind the curtain. And it's, it's this big machine that makes all these different sound effects. You know, nowadays, they can just do that on like a tiny keyboard or something. Yeah, yeah, but, right. But this is an actual, like, this is kind of the original. You know, this is where those keyboards and stuff sprang from, you know. Um, so this, this this unit has a so it has a keyboard that operates it right and then mm-hmm. it, so it, but it's not an organ because I'm thinking an organ has a keyboard and the pedals oh, yeah. and then it's got the like, pipes behind it exactly it looks like an organ and I think it's similar to an organ in the sense that there's all these pipes but it's yeah. there's pipes and drums and you know all oh, these that's amazing interesting okay. yeah I did I had no idea how like I went and me and Iris were there and we're watching and I thought it was the organ. But then when he started it, he opened the curtain to the stage and there was this huge wall of, you know, machines. I mean, he, they, were, they were kind of painted like fluorescent colors and it was dark, but it was this big wall of machines. And when he would press keys, that would make the sound. So he, he has like a, his own orchestra at his wow. fingertips. And the guy, the thing that really fascinated me was, was this guy. He was this really old man. He's in like a little motorized uh, cart, and uh, it turns out he, him and his friend, in the '60s, they put their money together and then they they invest and bought that Wurlitzer, that that old thing that was from like uh, Long Beach. There was some movie theater that had it, and they were selling it. And so it was an original Wurlitzer. So him and his buddy bought it, and then they saw that in El Segundo, this old movie theater was for rent. So then they, they rented that and they started, you know, they, they put the Wurlitzer in there and they started showing movies and that was in the 60s. Wow. And they've been doing that ever since. His partner, his his buddy died like um, in 2001, but he kept on doing it. And, you know, he so he's an old guy and he came up and right at the beginning of the show, he starts, he's talking, so he's giving us the history and you could just tell that this guy loves this. You know, he loves what he's doing. And um, I looked online. His name is uh, is Bill Field. 
you can look it up. Bill Field, uh, El Segundo, the Old Town Music Hall. And, you know, it, it talks about, like, what he did, and and it had some quotes from him. And he was saying, like, this is this is what he loves, and he just lives in this kind of world, you know, this music and and promoting this and sharing this with everybody, you know, this love that him and his, his buddy, they, they both had for old movies and the whole experience of seeing a movie, like, if you know, if you were born in the, Threes or something, twenties or thirties. Wow, I hate to say I'd never heard of, uh, of that place, and it's El Segundo, which is right here in the Los Angeles area, so people know. But um, yeah, it sounds like it's worth checking out, especially. It's a beautiful, you know, just, like just the passion and love that someone's put into something like that. You know, that's really yeah. Nice. And I saw that, Hub, and and uh, the reason I called you this morning to talk about it was because that just made me think of you know following your passion. You know, and I think that's yeah. what a lot of a lot of us do as self-publishers. We kind of follow our passion, and how that's following your passion is is kind of like uh, I was watching this this video. Uh, it's a documentary about Joseph Campbell. He's a famous uh, scholar who studied uh, who studied religions and cultures, and he um, he wrote this book called The Hero's Journey. And that talks about calling, it, it talks about following, not so much your passion, but following your bliss, which which is I think what I I feel the passion is. It's your bliss, following your bliss, and uh, that's what I you know I wanted to talk to you about. So like I said, I wasn't here for the the first fifteen minutes of of your cast, so I'm not sure. Did you talk about that already? No, 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 I didn't. I was just updating listeners to. Uh a little bit of my, my biography and what I'm working on. So, no, I, I didn't mention anything about what we're talking about. So okay. this is good, yeah. And I yeah. actually took time today to check out that documentary because it was something you brought up. And, okay, that'll be good to talk about today. Um, what did you think? What did you think of it? No, no, I thought it was really good. They have good speak, people speaking on there. And, um, yeah, a lot of the things they're saying, it's really funny. I mean, you know, we all watch documentaries, but I was nodding my head so much. Like someone saying something, I go, yeah, that's <laughs> – yeah, that's how it is, or that's you know that's how I experienced, and yeah, that's yeah. what I found out to be true as well. So yeah. it's pretty interesting. Um, oh, I didn't write the name of the documentary down or tell our uh, tell the viewers, but I'll put it in the show notes. But it's on YouTube, and it's uh, it's a hero's journey. But it had a title. It had a title before, but mm-hmm. I'll I'll look that up. Um, well, yeah. So the journey, right? The journey as yeah. an artist. Uh, I don't know if you going to call yourself a hero. I'm not going to call myself a hero, but definitely a journey of discovery and like you said trying to find your bliss which is i wrote a quote one of the people said follow your bliss and i put they said it's uh it's not something that's like a necessarily like a pleasure or like an addiction or something it's like yeah what your most fulfilling state the -hmm. thing that fulfills you the most or like your purpose in life what you feel is your purpose in life yeah i I mean i just kind of in in uh in another uh like little nutshell I'm on. I'm in. I'm in the nuts today. <laughs> um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put a little bowl of uh, peanuts out there, you know. <laughs> um, but in a in a nutshell, uh, basically, what I understand the hero journey to be, and this is this is a story that's uh, according to Joseph Campbell, and, and you know you you can see this according to him, all of the different cultures he 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 studied all these different cultures. And he studied the myths and the legends and the stories in these different cultures, and he found that there's there's 
one basic story that is in all of the cultures, no matter, you know, it could be like like <clears throat> Eastern cultures or in the Western cultures, everybody, even though they're all different and they're separated by miles and miles, there's a certain story that is consistent throughout. And it's basically the hero's journey, which is uh, there's a, a, a character or a person, or like in, in our case, we're talking about as us, what happens is we'll we'll get a call to action, like we're living our lives, but then we get a call to action, to do something, to some to change something in our lives, and then usually that call to action it'll it'll come with some kind of disruption or something big, like perhaps in our case maybe like if we lose a job, or if there's a political upheaval, some kind of change, something drastic that changes, and right. then there's a call that we get to, to do something different, to change. It's a call to action. And if we answer that call, that's basically following our bliss, following this thing that we believe in and we feel deep inside of us. It takes us on a journey, the hero's journey, which is full of uh, challenges and fears and uh, Joseph Campbell calls, uh, there's demons and he, there's a dragon. Eventually, yeah, there's dragon dragon, yeah, that we have to face. And once we go through this whole adventure following this thing we we truly deeply believe in and we fight the dragons and we do all of this, we get something from that adventure. We find a treasure. And that's not the end of the story. Then once we get the treasure, we need to bring that back home. You know, like, like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. You know, she goes on this adventure, but then she comes back at the very end and she tells everybody her story. That's that's a, a version of the hero's journey. Or Star Wars with Luke Skywalker, that's the hero's journey. He goes, but then he comes back and, you know, he, he talks about the Force and he teaches and everything. Right. You're incorporating what you learned on this path. You're incorporating it back to back 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 to your life you had before. And, you know, if you've you changed and maybe you could help. Like like yeah. you said, Luke Skywalker educated and maybe changed people too, yeah, for the good. Did. Exactly. And what's really neat uh, was when I was watching that documentary we were talking about on YouTube, they talk about the treasure that you get, and it's not something physical. The treasure is actually, all it is is your experience and you sharing that experience with people, talking about what you did. It's not the actual, you know, like a pot of gold or something. You know, right. because it's your experience, and once you tell people your story, you tell them about your adventure, that inspires them to go on their own adventures. That inspires them to go on their own journeys, and then they bring something back, and then they inspire other people. You know, so it's this cycle. You know, this this that this kind of he gets more and more, um, you know, searching and and finding these things that are important to you. And being true to yourself and and sharing them with the world, so it's almost like the journey is as if not more important than the so-called treasure. The, you know, oh, the no. oh no! Oh no! What's funny is the journey is actually the treasure. Like maybe right, in, right. The little story. Oh, you know, he finds you know the Ark of the Covenant, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? But he does. But the Ark, you can't. You know, it just like kills all the. I think the Nazis and. It just closes up and goes away. So right. 
it wasn't that arc. It was his journey to do that. You know, he discovered things about himself and, and he helped people. He did good things. Um, but, um, you know, Jack Kirby, the king of cartoonists, had a, yeah. he had a great, he had a great uh, observation. I, I'm not going to quote it directly, but he yeah. said something like, you know, as a person, as a, as a creator, he has a lot of questions, right, about life. Sure. And he says even if he never got the questions, even if he never got the answers, the questions have been terrific. See? Was, I was, yeah, I love that quote. Is. Oh, Kirby, that guy, total hero. He's a hero. He's oh. been, he, he, and that's, oh, yeah. the other, that's the other thing I just wanted to say is like in this, the idea of the hero's journey and doing this, you don't just do it once. It's a continuous process. You do a journey and you, you know, you, you slay the dragons and you bring the treasure and you share it with everybody and then you just do it again. Um, but I was telling Iris this morning, we're talking about, I was telling her about this before I, I contacted you about it. And I was saying, you know, <laughs> Javier, my friend Javier, is totally like he's a hero. Like he's, he's been on this journey and he's done things and he, he heard a call to action, you know, his art, you know, self-publishing, creating, and he followed that and he's, he's still on the journey. And I just like, it just was like clear, like just shining in my eyes, like a bright light that, yeah, Javier is totally, you know, living that journey. And I don't know, you want to talk about it or is it too personal well, maybe or No, no, it's not too personal, but I mean, you know, it's a it's a parallel journey. You're you're a independent self published cartoonist. I mean, you know, you had you've had your own you had sure. your own reasons for starting probably different than mine or whatever and like like yeah. anybody else, but uh you probably got different reasons to for doing it and maybe you got a different end result. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I mean you can relate to what I'm doing because um uh, you know, you're doing it as well, and so many of our other, so many of our other friends are doing it, and just other people we know. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, I had all day to think about this, which is yeah. good. You know, sometimes I just do a podcast, and I just the artist calls in, and we'll just start talking. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I don't want to get too reflective, but I do remember sometimes I think about, I, I think of a time. I'll call. I'm, I'm not the dark times. That's terrible. I'll, like when you're asleep. I don't mean okay. literally asleep, like sleeping in bed, but, you know, you're kind of just living your life. Yeah. And I remember before I started doing my comics, you know, and I got a late start, to be honest. I mean, I see these young people in their early 20s, you know, working on comics and publishing, which is great, you know. Yeah. And I I didn't really start till I hit 30s, you know, I did my first mm-hmm. comic. Before yeah. then, I was, um, you know, comic fan and collector and, you know, I'd also started working. I was lucky enough to get a job in screen printing at an art department. Mm-hmm. And I eventually became art director, which is cool. So, you know, okay, cool. art director, you're getting more money than the other guys in the department. And, you know, okay, so you kind of get comfortable with what yeah. you're doing. But um, but I think like now, or when I started doing comics, I thought of it one day. It's not only at the turning point, because it's not like I turned around and pulled out a piece of paper and started drawing. But I just remember spending, you know, I could spend a Saturday just kind of, you know, lying on the couch watching Baywatch or something stupid. Yeah. No offense to Baywatch fans. And that was fine at the time, right? Okay, mm-hmm. I worked all week. You know, I got off work Friday, cashed the paycheck, you know, 
then Saturday, just kind of relaxing, maybe go to the comic shop, buy some comics. Yeah. And then chilling out, watching Baywatch late afternoon. And I think about that now, or even some years ago, it's like, man, I can't believe. To me, that seems so like a waste of my time. Um, which, which, is, which was basically that wasn't to me what I should have been doing. So what I'm doing now, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, making my own comics, creating my own stories, and even like I, I talked in the intro, you know, teaching and doing my own comic convention and such. That is totally my bliss, which is, you know, what's my what's most fulfilling for me in my life. Did you ever create? Yeah. Could I ever ask you? Could I ask you? Did you have? Can you? Was there a, like a, a moment that you kind of made a decision? Like it was? Is can you talk about that? Was there a time? If not, I mean, because I, I was I did, I was thinking right now about something that happened to me, and like there was a moment uh, where I made a decision. Well, I'll tell you mine really quick, and I'll let's hear yeah. yours. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I can't. I, it's not like it was like in a movie. Like, oh, in the moment I stood up and I threw down my the remote control and went to the drawing board. Cause, you know, I I always doodled and drew, sure, but I never put together a story. I never thought about. But you know, just slowly, like friends of mine, like Raphael Navarro, he he started he started working for Marvel and DC and doing some mm-hmm. stuff. And he started thinking of doing his own comic. And in the nineties, I kind of weaned myself off of Marvel and DC. And just started looking at independent comics, mm-hmm. um, either self-published or smaller companies. So then I started discovering stuff like the Hernandez brothers, like Dan Clouds, and just finding all kinds of self-publishing. And I just got really like, okay, you know, the idea that you can self-publish your own comics, make yeah. your own comics, own your own characters, was turned out to be a huge thing for me, a very important thing. Um, mm-hmm. So by the mid-90s, I just started reading a lot of indie comics and just trying to, like, learn about the business, how to go about doing it. And so by the time the late 90s came around, 98, I had done my first comic of El Muerto, having talked to some people and gone to conventions. And I met uh, Carlos Saldana, a local guy here from L.A. He was up in San Jose at the Ape mm-hmm. Alternative Press Expo doing his comics. That kind of inspired me. Okay, here's a guy who's just, he's from East L.A., he's doing his own comic, he owns yeah. it, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, but so by the late nineties, I finally decided to just do my own work. Um, you know that 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 guy that uh, Carlos that you just mentioned. Carlos, yeah. He's like you know, like when they talk about the hero's journey, he's usually you you find there's somebody that you will find or that'll find you. That's like oh, right. a, a mentor or yeah. somebody usually you know somebody who knows what to do and and they kind of help you. They take you under their wing. So that he's totally like the Obi Wan Kenobi. And, you know, and he, what I love about him, he was so practical because me and Ralph, were, we met him up at San Jose. Yeah. And we're trying to ask him, like, oh, yeah, you know, like we're going to write down all the info. Like, okay, well, how do we go about it? He's like, no, 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 just do it. <laughs> he, he just throws his hands up and waves him. He's like, no, 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 no. You just do it. Like, get away from me. Don't ask for more questions. You know, he wasn't being mean, but yeah. he was being correct. Oh, Don't get bogged. Because as you and me know, Ted, people can get bogged down for years, oh, quote, yeah. unquote, studying, researching, yeah, yeah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, that's totally, you know? it's totally like the, uh, it, it makes me think of that Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, say, use the force, you know, just close your eyes, just do it, you know, just make it happen. You have it. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's so cool. Well, 
what was your moment? You, you said you have like a specific moment you remember, oh. like something oh, that yeah, pushed you yeah. forward. Well, I, uh, actually, you know, could I mention one thing about the mentor idea that the yeah, journey? Because this is something that, like I said, I read this little article about um, about Bill Field at that at that uh, the Old right. Town uh, Music Hall, and it talked about how you know he has he has this 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 music hall. And he's got the uh, you know the the machine the you know the uh, what what do I call it what was it called again the uh, oh the the the, the what's it Wurlitzer the, the Wurlitzer <laughs> the and he was in an article that says that him and his buddy you know they they were there for so long you know neighborhood people come around and everything and oh yeah know, the regulars come and he said that um, I guess this couple met. Like like at his place, and then they had a child, right? And then that little boy, he grew up around you know going to this this movie this this, this uh, music hall, and you know, they would go all the time, right? And and that little boy actually grew up, and he went to film school, and he got a he got an Academy Award for some kind of movie he did, like a short or something. Wow, <laughs> that's, and, that's a great story. Yeah, well, and then there in the article it was saying that you know they're they're interviewing uh, Bill Field and he was talking almost like that was like his his like a son or something you know, like right. he, and and saying how proud he was of this guy and and then that little boy who grew up and he went to film school at UCLA and he got an Academy Award he actually he was in between movies so during the time <clears> of that <throat> article which was written a couple of years ago he was you know, going back to the uh, the movie, the theater, and he was helping. And he was saying that wow. um, he had some connections in Hollywood, and so that's why he was going to try to get other movies, you know, like some noir movies, you know, oh, some sure old, there. yeah, 50 sci-fi movies, and bring those in, you know. And so he's, come, he's you know, he's giving back, you know, because he learned from, from these guys and what they did and obviously was inspired by them. You know what I mean? He literally grew own. up in the theater. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and and he was inspired to do his own thing and follow his his bliss. You know. He became a Jedi master. <laughs> exactly. You know. So wow. I I think that's such an integral part of that journey is the mentoring and and then you being a student and then you mentoring because you learn from from Carlos right a little bit. Oh, yeah. and, and then now you're you're teaching other people. All I learned from him was those three words. Just do it. And other than looking at, his, at him at a table selling books, like that's probably lessons, one of the best lessons, man. Sometimes the lessons have to be real simple. Like, yeah, you can go to a four-year degree or a twelve-year degree. I'm not knocking any yeah. of those professions. We love doctors, yeah, lawyers. But yeah, you know, with comics, like I said, only because I see so many people over the years. You see them too, and it's like, yeah, are you done? I've done a comic yet. Oh no, I'm still researching all this stuff. Uh, okay, then years later, hey, what about that comic? Well, mm-hmm. yeah, so I started looking, now I'm studying this whole series of YouTube videos for years. Okay, I got to move on. Yeah. I can't be worried about that. Just do it, so, man. Just like the Jedi said, you know, just do it. Don't so what, what, got you, what got you off, what got you off the sofa couch and uh, to the drawing board, so to speak? <laughs> well, um, basically what happened, it was, I think, in around 2000, maybe... 1999. I, 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 it was around 2000. 
I was in a point in my life where I was going to school to study to be a physical therapy assistant. So I was going to community college and I was working part-time at uh, this bread factory. You know, it was like in the doing the uh, or the organizing, like pulling orders and doing the right. work. And I was I was working. You know, it was it was kind of busy. I was working long hours at this bread place, this kind of warehouse. And then I would you know go late night. I'd go to to the community college, and I would be taking my you know anatomy classes and everything to study to be physical therapy assistant. And I was kind of in this routine, and it was you know. I was not really very fulfilled, you know, I was not really happy, but I was doing it because I felt like this is what I have to do, you know? No, right, right. You go to school and you're paying for it by your job, yeah. Really quick, and I have just to be practical. Yeah. Right, right. You said it's about 2000. Now, by then you had had some comics published, though. Cause I, oh, yeah. I met you in, yeah, yeah, just so people know that you had some books published, but you decided to um, yeah, not make comics a career, you decided to become a physical therapist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. basically, you know, I've done different jobs. I've done a lot of different jobs, but the one thing I always do is I always make comics. I wrote a note to myself, you know, years ago. I said, always make comics. <laughs> That's just wow. what I've been doing. Nice. So I was going to school and I was doing these things. Uh, and then I remember there was a point where I was working it was a temporary job at this bread place, but they wanted me to work permanent. You know, so they, they brought that up. They said, hey, you know, we're offering you a permanent job here. And I just remember a lot of thoughts were going through my head, and I still remember I was driving from from the bread factory. I was driving to school, and it was late. It was probably like 8 o'clock or something. And I was listening to this mixtape that my sister made for me. She used to make me these mixtapes, you know, like in Guardians of the Galaxy, the mixtape. <laughs> yes, that I grew up with mixtapes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I was driving and I was listening to one of the songs called Daydream Believer by the Monkey that she put on this mixtape. And I don't even know what the words, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know exactly what all the lyrics meant, but I just, you know, the daydream believer. I was hearing that, and it was this melodic song, and I'm driving, and I started to cry. <laughs> I think it was because I was rushing. I didn't want to be late for class, and, you know, I didn't really like that job, you know? Yeah, right. You're unhappy, you know? Yeah, and so I just was kind of, I, you know, I was just kind of tearing up, and I was I was crying, and I was like, you know, this is not working. And so then wow. I, you know, decided not to take that job at the bread factory. I told him no. And you know what I did instead? I took you up because you told me, hey, Ted, you know, me and Ralph, you know, and I don't know if Mikey was there, but we're going up to the Alternate Press Expo up north. Oh, that's and, right. Okay, that's one of the early and, ones. Yeah, 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 and you could come along if you want. And so I decided I quit that job, and then I went with you. I don't know if Mark went that time or if it was just me, but then we went up to the Ape. We went to the Alternate Press Expo. I brought some of my mini comics, and that was just kind of like, okay, 
I decided not to do what I was doing. And it's scary because you're ending something, but then by ending that, that means you're starting something different. You don't know what it is yet, but you're doing something different. So I always think about that because I remember driving, being all sad, and then just saying, no, I can't do this. I got to change, you know? Well, you know, obviously I remember you going because I invited you, so that might have been like my second year after I published. But I didn't realize it was like uh, such a – big decision for you. I didn't realize to think up the thing about like, you know, you, you're going to change your path. Like, wow, that's, yeah, and, and I that's didn't really cool. My, yeah, I didn't change my path to go to AIDS. It was just, it was just kind of, it worked out where, oh, and that's another thing they talk about on the hero's journey. They, it, the, the, story, the idea is basically when you decide to do something different, when you make a decision, right? when you change your, you stop living your old life, then things, doors start to open that you never saw before opportunities start to come up that were not there before because you were living a different kind of a life. So that was something that was there, you know, and I it just, oh, I'll just do that because, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to go to work because, you know, I'm not going there right. anymore. And so well, then like, I, I went with you guys. Well, yeah, no, I, I remember those, yeah, those days, yeah, the, uh, that was awesome. the early 80s. Yeah, um, that was a lot of fun. But but what what made you like uh, the backtrack to the your first comic Billy Billy Cole yeah four issue series you did with the Cult Press yeah. uh, what made you jump from not doing a comic or not you know getting one published to like approaching that publisher because that you know that's a, that's something that's got to be done you know you got to be you got to move yourself oh, yeah. to do that too yeah you know that one I think that was. I guess the journey that I took for that, I mean, when I, I went to college and I studied, I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Illustration, so I was going to be an illustrator, but I didn't right. find work. It was hard to get work, and I really, I don't think I ever got an actual illustration gig. I was trying, and I was, you know, applying to things, but I just never got anything. But I always loved doing comics, so I'd always do the comics. And I was, trying to get a comic strip in the LA Weekly. It's a local paper wow. here. I didn't know I, that. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> at the time uh Life in Hell was really popular. Yeah, Matt Greening. Yeah. And he had like it was basically like, you know, a, a, you know, kind of a one page comic strip. And so I said, Oh well maybe I could do this thing about this baby, Billy Cole. And so I did that as a comic strip and I submitted to to the LA Weekly and they said they weren't interested and I submitted it to every place and nobody was interested so I just started submitting to any any place that I could find yeah and, and I told everybody you know I have a friend of mine Mark Marco Cooley he's an alternate artist and he said hey Ted you know they're looking for, you know maybe you can try submitting to this comic book company over in um, you know this local company called the Cult Press so then I just sent it to them and they said, oh, you know, we're interested in this. You know, we'd like you to do a comic book series on it, a four-issue wow. series. And I, I had not planned on doing a big four-issue series. I thought it was going <laughs> right. to be like, like a little strip. strip. Yeah. And so they said, you know, we want you to do a four-issue series, 28 pages a month, and we need it, you know, so you got to do it every month. And I was like, wow, I never did a comic book like that before. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, full comic. Yeah, Mostly. I had, <laughs> yeah. And I, I never did that. I don't, I don't even know what the story's going to go, you know. 
But I still remember I went in and I met with the guys. We had a little meeting. And the art director was there and the publisher was there. And I said, you know, I'll do it. (laughs) They talked you into it, yeah. Yeah, I I wanted to do it. And I was thinking to myself, this is what I always wanted to do. Yeah, you had some doubts at first, but then the more you thought about it, like, okay, I'll I'll do it. I'll try it. Yeah, you got to do it. I got to do it. And so then I, 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 I shook their hand and... I started, I had to work out the outlines for all the stories and I had to get a, I had to buy a baby doll because I used that as a maquette, you know, for my character. So I went to yeah. Tony just got a yeah, baby doll. Yeah, listeners, it's literally a little baby, like a little, I don't know, five-month-old baby flying around getting yeah. into adventures, fighting evil. Yeah, really cool. So that was the thing. It's when I decided to do it. You know, that's like... um that's answering the call because sometimes some person might say, "Oh, you know what? I can't, I can't do a 28-pager every month. I've never done it before." No, exactly, exactly. Did did you? Can I ask you how? Did you ever have that where, you know, something was presented to you and you had to say like maybe like a movie or something, and you just said, oh, "You know what? Let's do it." Did you ever have that kind of thing happen to you where you had to make that big decision? Um. Yeah, that's exactly how that movie deal happened. The director called me in. He had ordered some of my comics. And then um, the assistant said, yeah, Brian would like to meet you. Brian Cox would like to meet you. Not Brian Cox, the actor. People from X-Men 2 and all those other movies, but he's a director. And he called me in his office on Sunset, and we're talking for about an hour. He's basically asking a lot of questions about the world. You know, Almarto. Who's Almarto and the gods and blah, 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 this and that. And... So I'm trying to answer some of the questions, and some of them I hadn't thought out. You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm not even sure, Brian. I'm not that far in the story yet, to be honest. I'll just be honest with him. And at the end of the meeting, he's all, well, you know, I called you in here, obviously. I, would you be into His exact words were, would you be interested in turning this into a film? And I immediately answered, well, I wouldn't not be interested. I kind of laughed. <laughs> um, well, you know. Months before, when his assistant wrote me, I'm already like, okay, this is a production company that's interested. Yeah. And I was definitely yeah. interested in hearing from anybody who's, you know, making an offer on, for a movie. I didn't create the yeah. comic to make a movie. But um, when an opportunity like that comes, yeah, just like your cult press, you're going to go talk to them and, okay, if it works out for me, and, you know, obviously in my case, and beers, you know, contracts and legal stuff. So, um, yeah. You know, one thing I was going to mention as you're talking about the hero's journey, and you know, yeah. like you, 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 you heeded the call, the call of yeah. the cult press <laughs> yeah. on this title, call of the cult. Um, but you know, a lot, one of the things on the hero's journey, if I remember the diagram, there's also trials, right, and crisis. Oh, yeah. oh so, yeah. One of my favorite stories to tell people is I think it was my second convention. The first one I debuted on Mark the Wet was in February in San Jose. And then I had a chance to get a table at WonderCon when it used to be held up in Oakland. This would have been 98. Mm-hmm. So this was like two months later in April. So my good friend, Rody Montijo, cartoonist, animator, great guy, probably future guest on the show, by the way. Um, I haven't asked him yet, but now he's obligated because I put it out there. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Rody, I hear you're going to be on Hollywood Channel. No, no, anyway. So I stayed up at his place in Oakland, and we went to the show, and we had a table side-by-side. Side. And Rody had already done, I think, the year before. He was already there, and he had done other shows, I think, in the area with his comics, Pablo's Inferno and, and other stuff he did. And I'm sitting next to so get this. I'm sitting next to him at my table, and he's there at his table, right? 
So we're basically mm-hmm. side by side as buddies because you always want to yeah. partner up with a friend if you can for the shows. Yeah. And it was, I think it was Friday, right? It must have been Friday. Yeah, it was, I guess it was the first day, Friday. And he's doing really good. Or maybe it was Saturday, number. He's doing really good, right? He's got a lot so of people a, there. Making a lot of sales. Yeah, making a lot of sales. I mean, that's, yeah, a lot of people at his table. And some of it because he had been there before, so he's already building the audience, but his stuff is really, really good. Yeah. And I'm so then think about you're sitting next to him and your table's not really seeing a lot of action or interest. Sure. And right there and then I was just saying, I gotta get I gotta get up for a while. I, I go, Hey Rody, uh, I'm gonna go up to the restroom or whatever, get a drink. Can you watch my table? He goes, oh yeah, sure, Hav. You know, he turns over as he's trying to have customers. Oh yeah, sure. Nice time to leave, Hav, when I'm busy. But so I I, I start off walking this is so dumb. I'm walking around the uh this will top your story, you started crying in the car when you heard the song. Um I'm walking to the convention center, and everybody's having a good time. And I'm I'm sulking, right? Freckin' yeah. freckin', everybody's having a good time. <laughs> and Rody's selling really good, and no one wants my nobody wants my book. Yeah. Nobody wants my stupid comic. My you know my second show, and nobody wants it. And I mm-hmm. went up to the bar. I remember going up to the hotel bar, and I got a drink. I'm not even a heavy drinker, but I got like a, I think it was a vodka and a orange juice, like a screwdriver. I, I believe. Wow. It was. So I'm. Yeah, tough, strong stuff. I'm sitting there drinking, and they have they have a football game going on, right? And I hate football. Yeah. So I'm sitting there sulking, being a crybaby, and everybody's having a good time watching the football game, right? Hollering mm-hmm. and cheering their team. And I'm like, oh, this is dumb. This is stupid. Coming up the whole weekend, wasting money on the tables, making a comic. Let's see. It's, let's see. It's uh, 1 o'clock. I can walk back downstairs, pack up my table, and I can drive home and be home by about 8 o'clock, you know, L.A. time at night. Wow. It's over. So I'm walking back to my table, right? And now yeah. I, I made this, I'm leaving. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. Really stupid. Kids don't ever do that. Um, and as I get to my table, I see Rody's like peeking up, like looking around. And he's like, where's Hop? Oh, hi. Like, wait, Hop, come on down, man. Come over here. So he, he, had, he was at my table. There was like three people there, right? Yeah. So, oh, Hop. Um, yeah, uh, this girl wants to buy a comic. This guy's from the local paper. He wants to talk to you. And this guy had a question about something. And, oh, thanks, Rody. And Rody goes back to his table. Yeah. So I sit down, right? Like, oh, I put that, you know, I sit down and, okay, I can help you. So you want to buy a comic? Okay, that's three bucks. Like, autograph. And yeah. then the other guy had a question. I don't know what it was. And then the reporter, oh, yeah, so, sir, what would you like, uh, you know, yeah, can I ask you a few questions about doing your your comic? So I just gave him a few answers and that was it. Mm-hmm. So I, I go from quitting, right, throwing in the towel yeah. and coming back to, like, a sale, an interview. I mean, really, this seems so set up. Like, yeah, like an interview, <laughs> like even though it's a tiny paper. I yeah. got interviewed and I got a sale. I got a customer and I had a guy with a question. I forgot what the third guy was. But. And I turned around to Roadie and, I, you know, he doesn't know what's going on as far as I was going to go home. I didn't go home. I just sat there and I just, you know, eventually more people would trickle in and such. It, it wasn't yeah. necessarily a gangbuster day. But right there, I told Roadie later, he could have like, no way. There's no way he could have left, man. That would have been terrible. So I learned there, I checked that off my list. Okay, don't ever quit. Because you never know what's going to be around the corner, literally, coming down from the bar. You know, that's the the trials. That's true. um, Yeah. Yeah, you just, uh, you never know when it's going to happen. You know, if if those people weren't there when I got there, I would have been backing up. Yeah. Man. Jeez, I wouldn't be having um, this podcast. Right now, you'd be sitting in your room doing nothing. Like, wow, well, this whole podcast. <laughs> I never met a guy called Javier. 
You never got into Man. comics and never made a podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be. Hey, it's like uh, it's like that movie with um, what's that that one, The Christmas Story, where the guy imagines if he wasn't around. Right, right. Ah, and you'd be working on your comics though, Ted. So <laughs> yeah, that right. yeah, that's true. That's true. I was gonna say when you when you mentioned that the trials and stuff going through when you when you're on a journey. Yeah. There was a there was a point and I've had this point before and I'll probably have them again, is where you're in between jobs, you're in between gigs and you're kind of floundering a little bit. You know, there was a point where I, I was yep. looking for work. I was I didn't have any work. I had I finished a project in, in animation and I, I didn't have any work. So I remember I was going to all these different places, dropping off my portfolio and I went to a place in I believe it was kind of like the uh, West L.A. area. And I went there and just to pick up my portfolio because they called and said, okay, you know, we're not interested. You can get your work. So I went and got right. it. And I, this was not just the first time. This was like, you know, the 10th place or something. So there was just no work. And I'm driving around. And so then I got my portfolio, and I remember I had to go get some air in my tire. So, like, I pull in. And this is a this is a time in an artist's life. Everybody has it where you don't have a job. Oh yeah. And and you're watching your budget and nothing's really going on and you're trying to find something but there's nothing out there. And so you're just And you're quote unquote you're quote unquote wasting time and money on comic supplies and Exactly you know, on trying to make drawing comics and, and, Exactly. Right. And so right. I, I remember like I said, I went to the studio to get my portfolio after rejection, and then I went to this gas station that I just saw on the side of the road, and I was filling up the air in my tire. And then this guy, <laughs> this guy, I saw him. He was on a bike, and he, he kind of rode around. He circled the gas station, <laughs> and, then, and then he he came over to the, the, the air place. And he said, oh, you know, can I use some air? And I said, sure, sure. You know, so I gave it to him. And so we were just talking just briefly, and, you know, I, I said something like, yeah, he said, you know, what you up to or what you doing? And I said, well, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I've been looking for work, but I'm thinking maybe i got to go to school or something. But I don't know, I'm pretty old. And then <laughs> right, he, right. He, he, looked to, he looked totally kind of like, um, you know, not a slacker, but just kind of, an, he looked kind of like the dude, you know, like in... In the Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, just kind of an easygoing guy. And his bike was, you know, it was an old bike. It wasn't like a fancy. So he, you know, he didn't have a lot of money or nothing. Yeah, yeah, said, yeah. Man. yeah, and so I said, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. And he could tell, I think, that I was not really happy, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like I, yeah, it's like, yeah, I think maybe I should go back to school or something. But, you know, I, I'm pretty old. And then he's. He just looked at me, and all he said was, "Hey, man, you're never. It's never too late. You're never too old." And th- just the way he looked at me, though, the way he said that, it's it was kind of like this knowing look, like, "Hey, never too old. It's never too late." And then he was, was sincere. And, yeah. yeah, very sincere. And then he just kind of rode his bike around. He circled the the gas station and left. And I don't know why it affected me the way it did. Maybe because I was down right at that point. Don't have to start crying again. I did not cry, I, but I just thought, I just said, you know, he's right. It's never <laughs> wow, too that's a great late. Story. Well, it's never too late, and it not, it's not never, it's never too late for anything. Not just going to school or or getting work, 
but oh no, right, never, right. It's never too late. Like maybe my art, and and since that point, I got work, you know, on animation projects. I had I published some more comic books, and you know, I I, I did a lot of things, you know, and that was. He was right. It was never too late, and it's still not too late. But at the time, I need wow. that was just that was just the thing I needed to hear from a guy that I never met and I never saw again. No, no, it's important that you didn't know him because it's like he's not just a friend cheering you up. It's just a no. complete and utter stranger. Yeah, but the way he wow. looked at me, it, the way he looked at me, Hub, it was like he knew, like he knew that I was having a hard time, and he knew wow. that. It was not too late. Now, you never told me that story. And, and yeah. as, as the minute you mentioned gas station. Yeah. Okay, so I got to tell you, this is funny. I'm sure, Ted, right now to the audience, it sounds like that scene in Jaws where the guys are comparing, like, oh, no, I can top that. Check out this piece right here. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I'm not trying to top you. Just when you no, said no, gas yeah, station. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so my, uh, well, I got to get Rody in here because this is, also about him again. It's uh, it was another time I was up in I went up to uh, a convention up San Francisco and I stayed at Roadies again, and mm-hmm. he used to live in Oakland. And um, yeah, so it was an ape, an ape, an ape uh, Press Expo. And I remember specifically like leading up to that ape, I I, was, I had worked on a new comic, a new book, a new old Marto, I think. And I, by that time I had a website, and I used to have a forum on there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on uh, Um Yeah. Right now, if you go to Elmuerto.com, it just takes you to Elmuerto Tumblr. It's not a big, elaborate website like it used to be. But And on the forum, I'd start building up a rapport with the fans. Right? Like, I have, yeah, I've got a little like Elmuerto fan base. That they actually yeah. log in and we talk. And, and I'll say, hey, guys, so i got a new book coming out. And they're all, oh, and so some of the people lived up in the area. Like, oh, we'll get to meet you in person because we live up here. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be cool. Meet some of the fans from the site. So I go up to the show. And, you know, I have a new book. And, you know, I met some of those fans. Oh, you're about to, you know, because everybody has like a, like a funky name on the board, you know, like Dark Crystal or, you know, whatever. Sure. Hey, you're about to name me up. Oh, and you're, yeah, that's cool. Hey, it's good to meet you. Yeah, here's my money. Here's the comic. All right, thanks a lot. And I sold books to other people too. And uh-huh. it was a good show. It wasn't like the old days, like last year when I was, you know, I said I sold nothing. But uh, <laughs> um, so then I went to Roadies. It was a two-day show. And then um, was it month, so Monday morning. It was time to go back home, right, to L.A. So I stayed on the yeah. Sunday night, Monday morning. We have mm-hmm. breakfast. And I go, okay, Rody, I'll see you later. I'm going to take off go home. So I go to the gas station. Yeah. The mystical, the mystical <laughs> gas stations. That probably, they probably don't exist happens. except they only show up for that one day and they disappear. After That's the true. Work. Yeah. Twilight Zone. So it was A and P.M. So I go in the gas station. And I got gas outside, you know, at the pump. And then yeah. I went inside and used the restroom and probably get some snacks, right? Snacks mm-hmm. from the road, soda yeah. pop and corn chips and snicker bars, good nutritious cartoonist food. <laughs> and I sit in the car, and then I'm, you know, okay, so I don't know if I had a cell phone back then, I remember, you know. And then it's like, oh, wait a, oh, wait a minute, uh, my wallet, then hang on. Um, okay, here's my wallet, but where's my, uh, hey, wait a minute. Where's the envelope of money? Because I kept, I kept all my comic oh, money. Oh, man. Yeah, I keep an envelope separate at the conventions, and I carry it in my pocket in the envelope yeah. away from my wallet. Yeah. Later, the wallet, okay, hang on, hang on. The wallet, you know, you don't panic after it. Okay, well, hang on. I'm sitting on it? No. It fell into the chair? No. Oh, it's probably in my backpack? No. Oh, it's probably in the oh, suitcase no. in the trunk of the car? No. 
and it's like, uh-oh, then you panic. Because <laughs> once you look at the, now, few, the first... Now, that's that's like hundreds, like hundreds of dollars or something, right? Not hundreds of hundreds. It's probably like about 200, you know. That's a lot that's of money, dude. I know. No, no, even if it was 50 bucks. You know what? Okay, here's what killed me about that, Ted. It's the, you know what really killed me? I hate to lose that type of money. But the fact that it was from those fans, like the hardcore fans, that they, the fact that they gave oh. me their money for my comic, yeah. that they were yeah. like eagerly supporting, I felt yeah. like I was violating them somehow, like losing their money, even though it's my money. Oh, man. So I went, I went back inside the, um, the AMPM, and I walked yeah. around. I went to the bathroom. I retaked my nothing. I'm looking on the floor. I go back yeah. to the car, and I start taking the car apart. You know, as far as, like, take out the luggage, open every luggage, yeah. open every backpack. Yeah. Uh, and I look under the car again. I go back in the AMPM, and I, so I did, you know, I did have a cell phone because I called Rody, right? I go, Rody, oh, man. Oh, man, I don't know what to do. What's wrong, huh? Ah, I'm at the AMP in my hair by your house, and I can't find my money. So he, I'll be right down. It's like a sweetheart. He drives down, right? Yeah. And then again, he walks with me to the, you know, follow the steps. We're looking in the car. We look in the store. He's a hot. So what? What did you do? So I came to put gas, and I after I put gas, I, I drove over here to park the car and go in the store. So he yeah. walks away, right? And I'm look, I'm tearing the car apart. And I look up and I see Rody walking from the gas pump. He's walking to me, right? Yeah. I swear, Rody's. He acts like a guy in a movie. He's holding something in his hand, like up in the air, and his face is like, and he's walking slowly. He's like, ha, look what I found in the trash can. In the trash? I'm like, oh, he found my envelope because when I I started throwing trash out of my car when I was pumping gas, and like yeah. an idiot, I threw away that envelope. Ah, so he geez. he found it. But thank God he found it right on top of the pile of trash. Yeah. And I got it. And, like, oh, I hugged them, and I grabbed the money, and, like, oh, my God. I explained to them why the money was so important because it was fan yeah. money, like real fans. Yeah. So as this is going on outside my car, a car pulls up. It's your dude again, but this time he's, uh, I believe he was uh, from India, right, because he worked at the store, and it's like he just got on the shift. Real yeah. friendly guy, right? Beautiful guy. Mm-hmm. Nice. And he's looking at me kind of because, you know, I'm standing there with Rody and I have money in my hand, and he's kind of looking, you know, politely. Yeah. And here's me. Oh, mister, I lost this money, you know, and I couldn't find it. And I was at a convention. I was selling my artwork. You know, I'll try to keep the story real quick and simple for him. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he didn't like the whole thing. And my friend found the money. And then this guy, like, the dude, my dude, right, he comes up to me. <laughs> and he puts his hand up, kind of waves in front of me. He's like, no, 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 my friend. God gave you that money back. He wants you to have that. That's your money. Wow. And it was like, wow, I got so, I didn't start crying, but I felt so, you know, because he, even he was, he's like, no, 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 this is the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed yeah. to find that's your money. Like, he didn't even know much about me, but he just knows no. that he meant a lot to me. And just the fact that he said that, it was, I mean, I was so thankful that shook his hand and he walked in, I guess, for a shift. Yeah. And um, so I, I looked at Rowan and I go, okay, I'm out of here, man. Like, he's just in a good way this time. I get to go yeah. home with the full got a belly full of soda pop and chips. I got my money. I had a great time. And you and learned something. I remember getting something. the car and just ripping down the freeway up the, down the five and back home. And, uh, yeah. It's, and, you li- I, I and, he, and he gave you that lesson. Like he told you, he told you that lesson. I just, I just remember what he said besides him saying God wanted you. He's yeah. all, and this is the quote, the all-time quote, you worked hard for that money. Yeah. Wow. He goes, you worked hard for that money. And, like, again, he didn't know the whole story how long I've been working on the comic. Well, maybe oh, he man. did. Maybe, he, maybe he did. Maybe he, he maybe could he tell. Did. Yeah, no, no. That's, 
you know, it meant a lot. And well, the see, fact that I mentioned that, it was selling my art, not just like Yes, whatever. see, that's, that, that, that situation that you had there is like is directly having is that that's an adventure that's related to you following you being on your hero's journey you're following your bliss you're doing the, you're following your passion and when you follow it you face these trials and tribulations and these challenges and these you know tough situations and then you have people people and things appear Assist to help you, you. Yeah, they yeah. asked you on your journey to keep you going. That kept you going. And that Man, the, dude, so, the dude at the gas station kept me going, you know? Yeah, and then the dude at my gas station. So every, we all played our part, right? We all... Yeah. You know, and then and then those two people, those two dudes, yeah, they probably had times when they were down and probably someone came up to them and told, you know, it's like a similar, hey, you know, I'll help you out. It's okay. You know, it'll yeah. be all right. And then, oh, man. Well, I'm sure glad I got my money back. <laughs> Well, that's that's amazing. I just think you, you know it was great that Rhodey knew to look in the trash can. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the only place I didn't look. It's like I wouldn't throw, I wouldn't throw the money away. That's dumb. He's like, no, no. If you were there, you got to check. Man, that Rhodey, that that. But look guy. at his face, though. It, it was like I can almost hear like Steven Spielberg say, "Okay, Rhodey, hold the money up in your hand because I'm going to light it up." <laughs> And then have that look on your face, like, oh, you know. <laughs> and he wasn't—he wasn't faking it. He was—that's just how he is. He's, he's yeah. so genuine like that. It's like, so anyway, uh, I'm glad you and me both got those little things of advice when we really, really needed them. Yeah, and those it's, really it's, dark spots. Like you said, it's those trials, and and then, you know, you're facing these things, but you you only you only find these resources, and you only find these mentors. And you only have these adventures after you choose to follow that bliss, after you choose to take the adventure. You need right. to choose to do it. Sometimes people don't do it. And, and I, I've, there's been times where I've done that, where there's something that it's like a call to action, and I say, no, I don't think I can. And either I'm scared. In, in that documentary, I thought it was interesting that one of the main reasons people don't follow their bliss, people don't take the call to action, is because they're afraid that people, other people, are going to make fun of them or think oh, yeah, they're stupid. Yeah. You know, right. have you had that? Like doing what you do, do being a self-publisher. At, were there points early on where you felt well, like even, even today, even today, I may think like you know. Yeah, something I'm doing or something I'm drawing yeah. or the way I'm presenting the book or it's just like I don't know. People are gonna think this is lame or you know. I I still have those little doubts pop up and they, they pop yeah. up and like weeds, right? They still pop up. But yeah, I well at this point no, I I know to just not now I just stomp them out or whatever. See, I don't let it eat. I, yeah. But no, that's that's why that's one of the things about you that I really I respect and I see that. Knowing you, I can see that that really is how you are. You know, you you have these doubts, like everybody has doubts, but you never let them get the best of you. you they know? used to. That's why I never did anything as far as, like, comic career, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think I, every now and then, you know, I feel like I, I want to do something, but I don't pull the trigger just because I'm thinking, well, I'm not good enough or... And and I forget those lessons that I learned on other adventures that I've had. Right. Where you do have to take that step. You take that leap of faith. And 
You just have to believe that there'll be a step at your feet. You know, you don't see it, but you have to just take the step. And there, it's always there. There's always something to land on. You know, you don't see it, but it's always there. But sometimes I just, I, I just, I can't take that step because I don't see it, you know? And I right. think, oh, you know, people are going to think I'm stupid or they're going to make fun of me. And, man, I keep, you know, then later on you look back and you think the, the people that are going to make fun of you, if they're if they're really going to make fun of you, then they're people you don't shouldn't even care about. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. If they don't care, if they don't respect you enough to believe in what you're doing, you know, you don't need them in your life. But uh, the thing that I found is more often than not, it's not the people. It's not that the people are going to make fun of you, but it's like what you said. You you think it's silly, and you think they're going to make fun of you, but they really aren't. You know, it's all you, in well, our you're, your, you're your own worst enemy. You're your own worst obstacle. You know exactly, and and ultimately in that hero's journey, that Joseph Campbell thing. I think they were saying in that documentary uh, I was talking about and, and you saw that the, ultimately the dragon is your doubt, your self-doubt. Yeah, yeah. That's what you have to conquer. That's the ultimate uh, enemy, you know. Man, and you, and you, can make, uh, you can make that dragon monster as ugly and powerful as you want. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? You give all this extra eyeballs and claws and like, you're making it even less, but it's, you're making it that bad, dude. Like, yeah. That's true. And, and you know, you, it's your choice if you're going to let the dragon beat you or not. The dragon doesn't get you. You let the dragon get you or you let him, or you make him fall. It's your choice. And it's kind of scary that a lot of people, and like I said, myself included in some cases, you know, the dragon gets the best of me for now. But that's the thing is, you know, it's never over till it's over and you always have time just like that dude told me at the gas station you know (laughs) you're never you know you're never too old and you know it's never too late what was that line from uh rocky balboa and rocky you know rocky's about in the 60s he starts with a younger boxer it ain't over till it's over well yeah he was saying and the young and the young guys almost that from the 80s and he's all no, I think the seventies. Like, no, it's even older than that, man. <laughs> that advice is older than the even you're making fun of, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's one of those truisms, you know. It's very true in life. Right, right. Now I've known you. Uh, let's see, two thousand, so eighteen, seventeen years. Mm-hmm. And before that, you were doing comics, and I know you've had different careers, not just like yeah. working in different animation, but even in animation, mm-hmm. out of animation. But mm-hmm. the one constant thing about you, besides being a great friend, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this guy loves making comics. I can tell people about you. You love, oh, yeah. so I'm, I'm gonna, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I assume that's your bliss or one of your blisses, if that's a word. But mm-hmm. I mean, comics, you just, you just have to do it, right? I mean, you love yeah. making them. Yeah, and and I think the comic analogy is really good to talking about the hero's journey because it's like you take the journey to make your comic, but that's not the end of the story. You make it and then you have to share it. Like the hero's journey. You you right. find the treasure and then you share your story. Basically, the comic book is literally that story that you're sharing. 
you're sharing your journey with everybody. And for me, not for everybody, but for me, that's something right. that is really important to do. I, I have to, I make my stuff, and then I have to share. Maybe it's just one guy. Maybe it's just two people. Maybe it's just a handful of people. But I need to share it. I can't just make it and... I mean, I've done that. There's some stuff that I don't share. Maybe it's personal things or whatever. But yeah, but it'll be a full story. I've seen them. Like you make a whole comic, you'll fold it, staple it. Yeah. Okay, it goes in the drawer. Yeah, but then you know that's that's one that's one bliss, I guess. Like you said, blisses. You know. So yeah, right, right. I do have that. I do have that one journey that I'm constantly on, and that's to self-publish my work. And I'm assuming that's that's yours, right? I mean, that's that's what you do. I know you've made a lot of sacrifices and you've had a lot of challenges and you are still on that journey. Oh, yeah. It's always willing to take it again. And, you know, like you said, because you kind of repeat it and it goes again and you do it again and you learn yeah. things. Oh, yeah. I'm always up for that. Uh, always up to take that ride again. And you're on the, you're on a particular journey right now, right? The El Muerto. You're you're working on that like it's going to be graphic. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to the folks about that uh, before you got on on, the, on my intro. Mm-hmm. You'll probably be able to hear yeah. it the show. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that's been literally a journey, like with in the full sense of it. Like it's been epic. It's taken forever. It's been up yeah. and down and going in circles, but always like positive. Like oh, I can't wait to get this done because I can't wait to share it with people because yeah. this thing this. This character particularly, and I've done a lot of other characters in different little stories and such, but, yeah, it's very, I don't know, this character is very important to me. And, um, you know, I, it just, it's just got to come through as a good story for people. People people shouldn't care that the character is important to me. People should only, mm-hmm. if they want, pick up the book. Okay, that was a good story. That was yeah. a really good story. So, anyway, um, yeah, well, tell you, know, it was a great topic. I'm glad you brought it up because it definitely uh, – allowed both of us, this is like a, I try to make this more like a conversational podcast, not so much like I'm going to interview Ted for the hour. It, mm-hmm. it let both of us kind of, you know, share some pretty good insights or some personal stuff about our artistic journey, which I hope, actually I know it resonates with listeners just based on my other show and other comments I have. That's why, that's why I listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, a creative podcast, and I'm sure that's why people listen to my show and your show. They just want to hear other people, artists, struggle and with things that, you know, how they overcome them and such. So great having you on the new uh, Hobbyland Chatter. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. And, and you know how, even if you didn't do this podcast, I would have had this conversation with you anyway, because I had to talk to you about this. So I'm glad we did this. Well, we probably would have done it over rascals and later on some (laughs) ice cream milkshakes at, uh, at, uh, Frost, Foster's Free. But, you saved me a lot of gas money, so I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll get together again. Thanks, Hav. All right. All right, Hav. Ted. So uh, just mention again where people can, like, where would you want people to look you up as far as uh, online? Yeah, you could see me on my blog at paperengine.blogspot.com. I'm on Instagram. I think it's FusionMan009, I think. I hope so. I'm not sure. But you can find that. And, uh, yeah, that's where they can find me online if they like. Cool. Okay, Ted, well, thank you so much, and um, I'll let you know when the podcast trying to go up as soon as we're done in about half an hour. So, anyway, cool. thanks a lot. I appreciate having you on. Uh, take care. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good yeah, night, man. Take care. Good night. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
Well, folks, that was uh, that was a really good show, I think. It was definitely a great conversation. And I hope you guys all enjoyed it. And um, thank you for listening to another to episode two of Hobbyland Chatter. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I don't have all the handles written down here. Um, I am on Instagram. It's um, Javier Los Comics. Javier Los Comics, L-O-S-C-O-M-E-X, on Instagram. And if you just go to my website, Havzilla.com, J-A-V-Z-I-L-L-A.com, on the homepage there on the right, you'll see, like, I don't know, find me online, whatever, and you'll find my Facebook link, my Twitter link, and you'll find my my link to my web store, the, the, the Hobbyland web shop, where you can buy my books and prints if you're so inclined. Anyway, thank you so much, and we'll be back with a third episode of Hobbyland Chatter, hopefully sooner than you or I think, to make up for the long gap. So thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.